And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Rhino's got him set up on the rope right here. Exciting show for you today. I am joined by one of my close personal friends, Sandra Ruth from Inside the Ropes. Uh, you can catch her every week on the main Inside the Ropes podcast, which is available on all podcast platforms. But you can also uh, catch her on the Inside the Ropes Patreon page, which has even more podcast content that she's going to tell you about in our interview. But the main thing that they've got going on, the new hot new thing going on with Inside the Ropes right now, is the launch of the Inside the Ropes magazine. That's right, nostalgia fans. The day of the wrestling magazine has returned, and it's courtesy of our friends at Inside the Ropes across the pond in the UK. But fear not, those of you who are listening in the United States The magazine ships worldwide, and the first issue is about to drop. They've got a big interview with Ric Flair announced right there on the cover. Our friend of the show, Bill Apter, he of the Apter mags of years past, the things that I grew up on at the grocery store newsstand, he is involved with the magazine. Our girl, Sandra Ruth, is going to have an article in the magazine Kenny McIntosh, of course, is spearheading this effort, and you can subscribe to the magazine, get it delivered right to your door, even here in the States, InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. We are very excited to have Sandra on the show to talk about that. I'm very jealous of the opportunity that, that she's gotten because I grew up on wrestling magazines, guys. I remember going to the grocery stores and seeing five or six different wrestling magazines on the newsstand. I remember Inside Wrestling. I remember The Wrestler. I remember Wrestling Superstars. I remember PWI, the WCW Magazine, the the WWF Magazine. I had all of them. And the fact that the print magazines have been few and far between in the last 10 to 20 years has made me very sad. But looks like we have a renewal of the print magazine wrestling format Thanks to our friends at Inside the Ropes. So let's talk to one of those friends at Inside the Ropes. My close personal friend, Sandra Ruth. I hope you guys enjoy the interview. We are going to talk about the magazine. We're going to talk about her podcast. And we are going to answer your emails. Hope you enjoy it. Happy to be joined by our good friend from Inside the Ropes, Sandra Ruth Wesseldike Reinstein. Uh, but okay. but I just I just go I just call her Sandra. She's just Sandra to me. What's up, Sandra? Hey Dan, it's so good to be here. It's so nice to to see you and to be able to 
chat and catch up and whatnot since I didn't get to see you in Metropolis this year because there's a stupid pandemic, uh-huh. um, which is real annoying. I mean, more annoying for you than for me, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. It really, it really does. Wear your mask, people. Wear your mask. Yeah, wear your mask. It's not a political thing. (laughs) Wear your mask. No, no, just wear, wear your masks. We are pro mask wearing here, mm -hmm. um, in both the luchador sense and the the maybe protective (laughs) public health sense. But wear both. You know, if if you want to be a luchador and then also wear a well-fitting cotton mask over that, Mm -hmm. we support that here. Uh, but yeah, no, things are things are good. Things are busy. Things are. Things are kind of crazy in Inside the Ropes land right now. We, we're launching a magazine. I don't know if you knew about that. I know you do. Um, so crazy. But That's awesome. We're launching a magazine, which is something that my, my co-host, Kenny McIntosh, and uh, my friend Dan Richardson have been working on tirelessly for months, trying to get a lot of this stuff ready and get a lot of it going. Um, it's, it's really exciting. Like, I... I'm someone who didn't read wrestling magazines as a kid because I didn't watch wrestling as a kid. Like, you know, I got into it as an adult. Like, I started watching wrestling when I was 25, I think. So it's not a nostalgia that I have, but, like, I am myself just so excited to get a physical copy of a wrestling magazine and read it because it's almost like experiencing that childhood joy for the first time, which sounds kind of cheesy, but I don't care. I'm a cheesy person, and it's fine. Yeah, you were telling me before we started recording that you didn't have that nostalgia for wrestling magazines, but the people around you have kind of almost ingrained you with this nostalgia for it, despite not having experienced it. Yeah, well, because people like yourself and people like my co-host Kenny – like you guys grew up reading wrestling magazines and that was kind of how you found out more about like the inside of the wrestling business and stuff more than just what's presented on television. If you're just watching WWF or WCW and um, I was watching the the documentary that Joe Hendry put together actually for the magazine. It's on our inside the ropes, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash inside the ropes. Plug, Cheap plug. plug. Uh, exactly. Got to get them in where <laughs> we can. Right. But uh, the, the documentary is called the last read. And it starts out with kind of like the death of wrestling magazines, right? Like how they used to be so popular. And I'm, I'm trying to think who it was in the documentary because uh, like Keith Elliott Greenberg, who worked with WWF for I think like 22 years, he edited Raw Magazine and WWF Magazine and those those sorts of things. Bill Afters in the documentary. Um, Dan Richardson and Kenny McIntosh are in the documentary talking about wrestling magazines. Finn Martin, who ran Power Slam in the UK. I don't know how many UK listeners we have here, but that's basically like PWI here would be like kind of like Power Slam there, right? Like it's it's the big one that everyone kind of read. And all of them are talking about their experience working on magazines and reading magazines. And I think it's Keith says that a magazine is like a it's kind of a time capsule, right? Like it's, it, it captures a moment in time or it captures a period in wrestling history. And to be able to, to go back and look at it and read in-depth analysis and, you know, other than just tweets or little news articles thrown out that we kind of get inundated with nowadays with social media and whatnot, it's kind of cool to have just that time capsule of a thing in magazine form. And that's what I'm really excited about. You know, that's kind of how I feel about comic books, another passion mm-hmm. that I know you and I share. Um, it's it's cool to be able to like go to that moment in time and say like, what was happening now and what was happening then? And I'm I'm stoked to read the first issue. Like I'm kind of, I'm going back and forth between like, do I read the PDF when it's available digitally or do I like wait the extra week for the magazine to be shipped to me just because international shipping has been kind of slow. Like we're trying to ship out as as soon as possible. And I'm like, I don't know. 
I don't know if I'm going to get like too impatient and want to read the articles or if I'm going to like wait for the physical thing. So it's the big grand reveal. But yeah, yeah like I'm really excited to be part of it. I have I have a column in there myself, which is going to be amazing. very weird to see my name in print, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. Just the fact and you, and you mentioned Bill Apter, too, who's who's been on this show. He's a, a friend of ours. And they a lot of those old magazines were they ended up being referred to as the Apter mags. You know, yeah. like Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the, like Inside Wrestling, and there was one that was my favorite that not a lot of people talk about. It, I think it only came out like every two months or maybe every three months. It was called Wrestling Superstars, I think. And every issue of that, they had like a superstar dream match. Oh, and, cool! And they would take like somebody from like the NWA and somebody from the WWF, and they the whole article would be like a a fiction retelling of how the match went. You know, like this match took place in this... Uh, Almost like an ethed? Yeah. But like in magazine mm-hmm. form? Yeah, like somebody would actually write like blow for blow like what would happen in the match and like who came out the winner. And they were doing like, you know, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior at the time, like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair like years before that was actually a thing. So I was just always so engrossed in these magazines and the fact that you know, I was telling you before we started recording that I would go to the to the newsstand at the grocery store, and there would be five or six wrestling magazines out at a time, and that's just you don't you don't get that anymore. You know, you might see a PWI at at the, at a newsstand, you might not, and you know, WWE, yeah, you might have to order it. Sometimes yeah. it's something that you really have to seek out, and and not that many of them even exist anymore, which I think is like. Kenny saw that there was a lack of magazines, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because Power Slam closed in 2014, um, and over in the UK, obviously, that being the big one. And when, like, I'll be honest, when when he started telling me about this idea of a wrestling magazine again, I didn't get it. Like, I thought it sounded like a cool idea, for sure. And I was like, I definitely want to be part of it, and I support this and stuff. I guess I, not having the nostalgia for them like I didn't expect the response to be so overwhelmingly positive of people saying like, this is something that we've been missing and this is something we want to be able to have access to again. And it is kind of, it's crazy. Like the, the amount of people that we've gotten involved who have been so prominent in wrestling journalism over the years. So it's, I mean, I sound like a shill, but like, I'm just genuinely very excited. About well, I'd be, it I'd be, so I'd be cool. absolutely giddy to, to see my name in print, like up there with, like like you said, like Bill After, that's yeah. that's uh, that's a tremendous honor. Honestly. It's really cool, right? Yeah. Like, and Bill After, he's such a nice dude. Yeah. Like, he's the nicest dude. Yeah, um, one of the nicest guys, like just in pro wrestling in general. Yeah, like know? just super super nice dude. And like, I don't know the, the fact that like I've been able to meet Keith Elliott Greenberg. Like, he has a new book out, Too Sweet. Have you seen this? The Inside the Indie Wrestling Revolution. No. Like, I was with him at StarCast when he was interviewing, like, Joey Janela and Awesome Kong and, like, Marco and Logan's stunt and, like, going around getting stories for this book on independent wrestling. And, like, the fact that, like, I can call someone like him my friend when, Mm -hmm. like, he worked in WWF for 22 years, like, this is crazy. Like, sometimes I just have to be kind of like, what is my life right now? (laughs) Like, what is happening? But, um yeah, and Finn Martin being so prominent in wrestling journalism, he's worked with Inside the Ropes now for uh, three years, I think, three or four. I can't remember because time is a flat circle, and <laughs> who even knows how it works Time's anymore. Time's a construct, man. Like... <laughs> time's a... What is time? <laughs> what man? is it? Like, what, what are any of us doing here? Especially <laughs> in the COVID era, like 
there were days where I was like, what day is it today? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I still have no idea most of the time. Absolutely. Like, tonight is Wednesday and Dynamite is on, but everything's messed up because NXT was on a Tuesday. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, what? What is happening? I don't mm-hmm. understand. But yeah, like getting to to work alongside some of these incredibly big names in wrestling journalism has been the coolest thing for me. And like, I don't know, I'm I'm just really excited about the new thing. So InsideTheRopesMagazine.com, mm-hmm. if you want to learn more information, it is shipping internationally. So if you want that print copy, um, an annual subscription is cheaper than just buying individual issues. It's available digitally as well. Um, I'm I'm so excited to see the yeah. first issue. There's like, something so about holding the magazine in your hands, though. I think. Yeah. And and my wife is the same way with with books. You know, mm-hmm. we have shelves and shelves and shelves of hardback books because you can get them, you can get books and I, quicker and cheaper often digitally but there's something about holding the book in your hand and smelling the pages and i know that makes me sound like super old which i am but there's just something about that librarian people like i get it you know i worked in a library for 12 i'm a bad librarian though so that i have to make sure i always put that out there for you know as a caveat i am a librarian but i'm not a good librarian (laughs) well as long as you know you're like providing access to i am that i do that so like that you know, like that is, I mean, you're doing the bare minimum. So right. at least that. And I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before, that is we live on the bare minimum. You know, there is here. nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> if it gets us by, then we are totally fine. And that's all minimum. we do is we just get by here. But we've got you here today, which is, I mean, we feel blessed to have somebody who's in the new Inside the Ropes magazine and not only that, but what's going on with the Inside the Ropes? Uh, how long have you been at uh, Inside the Ropes? Because we had, I think I was looking at my, my Skype log, and the last time I had you on was a little over a year ago. Has it been that long? Which wow. Which hurts my feelings that you haven't been on <laughs> since then. However, I digress. Uh, how long have you been with Inside the Ropes? Uh, you, I believe, are, you're very busy because I believe you were just recording with uh, Kenny McIntosh earlier today, right? I was. Yeah, we record pretty much every day. Like, there's usually a span of maybe two days that we don't talk to each other on the phone, and then more podcasts just keep happening. Um, yeah, so I, I am pretty busy podcast schedule-wise, too. Uh, every week on the main Podomatic free-for-everyone Inside the Ropes feed, we just do the Inside the Ropes podcast, which is morphed. I've been with Inside the Ropes and podcasting with them in some form since july of 2014 so it's been over six years now which is crazy uh i was just on the vip service covering nxt for a while so people didn't really like know that i was part of it unless they had the paid subscription um and then i think i've been on the the main roster of sorts or out out behind the or out in front of the paywall since i think 2016 is when i started podcasting with kenny regularly covering smackdown because it was when they did the draft when Mm -hmm. they uh when they did the brand split in 2016. So, yeah, even that's been over four years that I've just been doing this consistently. But, um, yeah, so every week Kenny and I do the Inside the Ropes podcast. We mainly cover NXT and AEW along with, you know, news and whatever else is happening and big wrestling topics and things. Kenny and Finn tend to cover more of the WWE main roster type stuff because when we were kind of talking about dividing up duties it doesn't make sense for everyone to talk about everything and i didn't want to watch raw and smackdown so i you you drew the long straw well yeah. done well i mean i, I cuz Finn doesn't care as much he's a lot more analytical and and if shows are bad then i 
am kind of more of a nightmare to deal with if I am made to watch them and don't sure. enjoy them. Right now, I'm actually enjoying Raw and SmackDown and have watched like the past couple episodes, which like is good and bad because it means I have less time on my hands. But it's nice that the product is engaging enough that I want to watch it and that right. it's drawing me in. Uh, but yeah, so Kenny and I mostly cover NXT and AEW along with everything else. And then every week on our Patreon, we cover retro ITR, which is Raw and SmackDown from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we are in the middle of the Attitude Era right now. We are in September of the year of our Lord 2000 <laughs> and embroiled in the Triple H, Kurt Angle, Stephanie McMahon love triangle situation. And I am 100% hooked on the drama. Also, Eddie Guerrero and China have a lot of drama right now. Like they're just kind of the cracks in their relationship are starting to show and mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm 100% hooked on the the Jerry Springer of it all, basically. So you said that you started watching probably like 10 years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so this, what? what you're covering, is something that happened about 10 years before you actually got into wrestling. So you're kind, of, you're reliving that for the first time, and that's a lot of people are very envious of that to go back to kind of what they consider the glory days. Right. Of, of wrestling and the hottest time, you know, because you were uh, before that, you know, leading up all the way in the Monday Night Wars and the Attitude Era. And that's some of the what people remember most fondly about pro wrestling, one of the times they remember most fondly. And that nostalgia is something that kind of ties in with the magazine, because I think the overwhelming positive response that you've gotten for the Inside the Ropes magazine is because people are so nostalgic for a simpler time, you know, yeah. <laughs> a time when well, it's kind of that thing that like the thing you watched as a kid will always be your sure. favorite. Yep. Right. Like, I mean, I will rewatch my boy meets world DVDs until the day I die. Mm-hmm. Like I love that show and I stand by it being awesome and like dinosaurs and some of the other stuff that was on TGIF when we were kids. And it's been interesting watching through 2000 and we started retro it's been a, almost four years to the month now because I think, yeah, we started it in September of 1996 or September of 2016, and now we're in September of 2000, so it's it's crazy that I've been watching consistently for four years now. And some of the things that people have fond memories of, I am not a fan yep. of. Like, yep. I am not a fan of one Mr. Chris Jericho in the year 2000. I find him to be the most egregious babyface I've ever seen. His entire <laughs> character is Stephanie McMahon is a slut and mm-hmm. I hate women and also will call you gay. Like yeah. that makes you that made you a babyface back in two thousand. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. And and the crowd pops for it and I understand, you know, whatever, but like stuff like that, I'm just kind of like, no, like I don't like you as a character. And uh like Kenny and I podcast with Finn Martin to cover pay-per-views because he can lend a lot of historical analysis and like what was going on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. during that time and whatnot, which is always really fun. Like, I don't know. I think that's one of the things that I would find most interesting on our Patreon, I guess. Uh, But Finn is just constantly baffled by me because he's like, I don't understand. You're, you're not approaching this from like 2000 eyes. You're approaching it from 2020 eyes and trying to like put that on. And I'm like, I don't know how else to approach it. Like if, if a story works for me and it holds up, then I'm more than willing to go with it. Like a year ago, if you would have told me I would be into a Stephanie McMahon and Triple H drama angle, I would have told you you were a crazy person and there was no way. I'm super into the Stephanie McMahon and Triple H drama right now because it's really well done and it's working. But like also there are just going to be characters like Chris Jericho and Jerry Lawler that are not going to be for me. And if they're in babyface roles, I just can't 
accept them in babyface roles, you know, because I'm like, you are egregious. Not, it has nothing to do with them, like, actually as humans behind the scenes. And, like, 2020 Chris Jericho, I think, is incredible and firing on all cylinders. And, like, Le Champion in AEW has been great, right? But, like, in 2000, he drives me insane. So stuff like that has been interesting just because I... I don't have the nostalgia for it. Like my nostalgia is for NXT redemption with like Johnny Curtis and Maxine and Derek Bateman, you know, like <laughs> stuff that no one remembers. But right. Me. Yeah. That's uh, it's, it's really neat to be able to kind of go back and follow that journey through time and see, you know, 20 years from now that Chris Jericho is not only still going to be in the business, but he is going to be at in the main event picture of a major company. 20 years later you know that's that's really neat to be able to to see uh, so we talked about inside the ropes uh the magazine inside the ropes magazine.com uh you can uh hop on there and subscribe uh internationally and then uh sandra talked about her podcast that she has available she's all over the place uh, as far as uh inside the ropes patreon and the uh regular Inside the Ropes podcast, which I assume is available on all podcast platforms. Yep. If you just search Inside the Ropes on any podcast platform, you'll find us. We're on Spotify. Uh, we're through Podomatic. So the inside network.podomatic.com is the direct page to our podcast. But if you just like, if you use Podcast Addict or Apple Podcasts or whatever the kids are using these days, sure. you'll be able to find Inside the Ropes. Like yeah, it's, If you can't it's find it, you're not trying, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get in some emails here. Uh, we You can always send us those emails, rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com, or tweet us at rhino underscore wrestling. And, Sandra, we're going to kind of cover a hodgepodge of wrestling topics, if you're okay with that. I'm okay with a hodgepodge of topics, like as long as it's stuff I've seen. I know there was one question, and I just <laughs> am not familiar with the promotion, but That's okay. I will do my best. That's okay. first one comes from Samantha in Baltimore, and Samantha's upset, Sandra. She writes, it's disgusting. That Velveteen Dream still has a job with WWE. Given the evidence against him, how can WWE defend keeping him on the roster? So Dream was accused of sending some inappropriate messages to underage fans, allegedly some inappropriate pictures, allegedly some audio clips as well. He was out for a few months. They say that was just because of the car accident he had and that it was not related to this, but he is back now, and a lot of people are not happy about it. Uh, Triple H claims that the company looked into the accusations and didn't find anything. One of the accusers said that he was never even contacted in this so-called investigation, and apparently he, uh, being the Velveteen Dream, has a lot of heat backstage, according to reports. So where do you fall on this? Do you think it's uh, innocent until proven guilty? Do you think they're... Maybe that there's some preferential treatment going on here. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the current situation for Mr. Dream? It's a really difficult situation, right? Because I I do not know him personally, and I do not know the accusers personally. I know some of the accusers are in circles that I am very familiar with, and um, like one of the accusers, Josh Fuller, I rem- like when he put out that statement saying I was never even contacted by WWE, what sort of sham investigation was this? That gives me pause, right? Mm -hmm. Like Triple H says that there was some sort of internal investigation. You like to believe innocent until proven guilty. I don't, I am not someone who thinks that everyone's career should be derailed 
based on one accusation right. because I think everything needs to be taken on an individual basis, right? Um, but I also feel like accusations like this need to be taken seriously and looked into and dealt with. And it, like I said, it's a really tricky situation because I don't know all of the logistics and all of the ins and outs, but given some of the accusations and the number of accusers that came forward and the fact that some of the accusers were never even contacted in the supposed investigation, it feels fishy to me, I would say. And I feel like taking him off of TV and having an actual investigation would be important. Like, I I don't like the fact that he's on TV right now. It does make me uncomfortable. Um, And it also takes me out of anything that he's doing because all I can think about is, like, should this person still be employed, Uh right? Like, it's sometimes it's it's weird when we go through, and I don't want to compare these situations, but, like, it's weird when we go through retro stuff to watch, uh, like, Chris Benoit matches, for instance, right? Uh Like, and I can sometimes separate, like, okay, this is his wrestling match. This doesn't have to do with, like, his personal life. And other people, too, that I know that have done some pretty horrible things, some of which are not, like, public knowledge or whatever, having to do with retro stars. But, like, what makes it more difficult for me is that Velveteen Dream is still a current star. Mm-hmm. And, like, we know about this stuff. And maybe something should be done. Like, even having him taken off TV, go to sensitivity training, rehabilitation. Like, I don't like the fact that they're like, well, oh, we didn't find anything, because it feels like they also didn't look. Yeah, you know? it, it, it seems like according to the rumors that he has some kind of he has a lot of heat backstage that they they kept his the fact that he was coming back to NXT kind of under wraps because they were worried about some potential backlash from people backstage and if and, they know enough to be worried about backlash right. then that seems like they're trying to cover their tracks exactly right exactly so and, yeah like I am not a fan of him being featured prominently on TV currently the thing that rubs me the wrong way is that there was when the whole speaking out movement started, there was a lot of wrestlers that were let go for a lot less with a lot less evidence. You know, there was uh, there was a lot of uh, and then even before that, even uh, with Enzo Amore, who apparently was vindicated. He was uh, exonerated uh, of yeah. that report, yes. And then he still lost his job, you know, but it seems like they see Velveteen Dream as a potential bigger star so maybe they're showing him some preferential treatment which happens in sports all the time you know a star athlete you know gets caught with you know drugs or something like that he's going to get more chances than the guy that's riding the bench and that's not fair but that's kind of the situation that we're in it seems with well yeah i mean like if you look at the company's history they've i mean they're of course they're going to show preferential treatment to some Mm -hmm. people right like i mean look at how many times randy orton has messed up and turned that into a storyline even (laughs) yeah i know they even turn it into a storyline right and you know like he's of course going to get a lot more preferential treatment than someone like matt hardy who had relationship drama and aired it and even though Matt Hardy was the one who was wronged in that situation, he's the one who lost his job, right? Like, I know that he got brought back and everything that went down. Again, I wasn't watching wrestling at that time, but I'm familiar enough with the situation. Steve Austin was accused and, I believe, arrested for domestic violence, uh-huh. right? Yep. I mean, like, that; those charges are real. That happened. He wasn't fired from the company because he's Steve Austin, exactly. right? Like, if that would have been someone else they're going to get different treatment. And I think that that's shitty. Like, I think that as a company, they should have a policy in place that, that this is zero tolerance. And when, when a lot of the speaking out stuff was happening, 
there were internal you know, rumblings and rumors that the company did want to take it seriously and that they were serious about cleaning up their roster. But also, if you look at who's in charge of WWE, like the man in charge of WWE has also been accused and sued for and has many aspersions cast of sexual abuse, misconduct, harassment. And honestly, like until Vince McMahon is not in charge of that company, I don't have high hopes that they're going to take it seriously for everyone on an even keel. Yeah, it. I really wish that they would have maybe done a third-party investigation, like an independent right. investigator. That just seemed to me like it would have been the most logical way to go, just to make sure that there wasn't any preferential treatment going on. It just seems like a lot of people don't keep want him, him there. Time, yeah, you know, and, you know, Nia Jax putting the the clown emoji on and in response to the fact that an investigation was was right. uh, taking place. There's a lot of people that are are very upset, and I, I honestly, it seems like you when you said it was a little fishy the investigation. If if it was totally done internally, it's like when I hear a college says that, oh, uh, yeah, we. Uh, got caught you know cheating you know, paying these athletes we're going to do an internal investigation how is that going to be better than a, a somebody from the outside that has no bias it's yeah not. exactly like if you're investigating your own bad behavior right then of course you're going to look to cover up your own bad behavior right right exactly so that's kind of what it seems to me like what's and going so on that's, here yeah that's just where i i don't believe that it was entirely thorough especially if some of the victims and accusers weren't even contacted right uh let's go to clark in seattle clark writes this year's wrestlemania main event was underwhelming but it was far from the worst of all time in your opinion what was the worst mania main event of all time Sandra, does anything pop into your mind when you think of wrestlemania main events that just didn't uh deliver so two of them come to mind the first one being goldberg versus brock lesnar which i've never actually seen in its entirety, I just I have heard the tale, the legendary tale of Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. I've seen snippets of the crowd during Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. It was not good. Um, the other one that comes to mind is just from a few years ago. Again, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, mm -hmm. which I also don't think was great. I like, think I'll I... be honest. I was very intoxicated during that match, and I haven't gone back and watched it. <laughs> uh, I was there <laughs> in New Orleans, and. Um, yeah, by the end of that show, I just I had had a number of drinks, um, but I do not remember that one being well received yeah. either. And I know the crowd was very angry. Right, afterwards. I remember there, there was like a "this is boring" or a "this is stupid" or something mm -hmm. like that chant going on. And I remember when Brock Lesnar's music played afterwards, everyone was just like, "What? Like why?" <laughs> For what reason is this happening? Like, what has been the point of this Roman Reigns experiment if you're just going to have him lose to Brock Lesnar again? Like for why you know the, and it just felt like an exercise in futility and yeah. it was long too from what yeah, I remember the good news is though you're in New Orleans so you just walk outside there's plenty of things to do to take your mind off of that and so, we did yeah. sometimes <laughs> you have fun. to uh, there's a few that I'm, I'm going to go back a little further uh, I'm going to go uh, Hogan versus Sid Justice at Wrestlemania 8 <laughs> so I haven't actually seen that, but looking through the list of WrestleMania main events, I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, that sounds pretty bad. Well, it was made even worse because the whole buildup made you think that, that was gonna, it was going to be Hogan versus Flair. Like, Ric Flair had come over. Rick oh, Flair that was had, that match. I've mm -hmm. heard about this. Uh, Ric Flair ended up wrestling an awesome match against uh, Macho Man on that okay. same card. 
but that wasn't the main event. The main event was Hogan and Sid, and it so it was just it was doubly sucky because of the fact that we could have got the dream match between Hogan and Flair when they were both pretty close to their primes mm-hmm. versus what we got, you know, a few years later in WCW, which wasn't bad at the time, but it could have been a whole lot better at WrestleMania eight. And then uh, the other one I had was, uh, if we're going with the more current one, Roman Reigns and Triple H at WrestleMania 32. That's when uh, Triple H won the title at the Royal Rumble and then uh, defended it against Roman Reigns. And the fans did not want either guy to win. (laughs) Like the fans were going to be upset no matter who won, whether Triple H retained or whether Roman Reigns got the, the title back. And that's... That's not a good situation when either either they hate it or they love it, but if they just don't care, that's mm-hmm. the kiss of death. Especially well, that was similar wrestling. to the Goldberg Brock Lesnar situation, right? Where both yep. guys were leaving and fans resented both of them for leaving the company. So it's just like we don't like either of you. We're just going to revolt. Right. And that's that's not emotional investment, right? Like wrestling is at its best when it grips you storyline wise, or like. You, you want to hate somebody or, like, see them vanquished or whatever. Yeah, like, apathy is the worst thing you can do. Yep. And I think that's where, where WWE went wrong with Roman Reigns for a long time is they built a culture of apathy toward their main guy. Even though Roman Reigns is awesome. And, like, I will sing Roman's praises to the death, but... They just they did him no favors during that time oh, yeah. period. Absolutely. And that's the thing with this podcast. People hate it. There's no apathy at all. People just... it's You know, we skew very much to one end or the other so you know that's i think that's why we're still going and why we're still kicking (laughs) see it's all about just getting people even if they're hate listening they're listening it's okay it's exactly what it is well said uh next one comes from jackson uh writes is bait and switch too strong of a phrase to describe the four-way iron man match for the nxt title we were promised a new champion watch a 60-minute match and just got a setup for the next week Seems like a ploy to try to pop two ratings for the price of one. So, Sandra, did you watch NXT last night? Uh, So last night I did not watch all of NXT. I had most of NXT on mute because I was uh, moderating a live stream. But I do know who the new champion is. Okay, I wanted to make sure before we we said it. I didn't want to ruin that. I do know that Finn Balor is the champion. I just haven't watched the match in its entirety yet. I did – the only thing I've seen – in its entirety from NXT last night was the amazing steel cage match with Rhea Ripley and Mercedes mm-hmm. Martinez, which I did watch twice because it is incredible and my everything. And I am so in love with both of them. Uh, but yes, I know that Finn Balor is the champion and so, I, how did you feel about the, the Iron Man situation when it went down? Well, I, I kind of had that, that moment we were talking about at WrestleMania in new Orleans. Like what, like what's going on now? So NXT hot potato we've had lately. We had Keith Lee, who didn't wasn't the champion for that long. Had this big like double title win, and then gave up the North American title. Didn't have the I guess they wanted to hot shot him up to the the main roster, but didn't have the title for that long before he lost it to Karrion Cross, who gets injured in the same match that he wins the title. Has it for less than 24 hours. Then it's vacant. Then we have this four way that ends in a tie with. Finn Balor and Adam Cole. It sets up Balor and Cole for last night. Um, I was I was disappointed. I wasn't disappointed in what the setup was going to be because I was excited about either of those two coming out as champ. Whether Finn Balor 
comes back to NXT, and I think it's he's been back long enough to give him another run with that title because that was the best Finn Balor that I remember was NXT Finn Balor. And then you got Adam Cole, who was the longest reigning and one of the best NXT champions of all time. I, I was okay with with either one of them, but the fact that it did seem a little bait and switchy for what based on what Jackson said, it did seem like we promised that you're going to get a champion, and we we didn't get one. Uh, I don't know if that was just to try to make. The Tuesday, and it kind of goes into our next email, trying to make, since these were both happening on Tuesday nights, trying to make the Tuesday night ratings look better, maybe because they're thinking about making a switch to Tuesday nights. Like, look how good we can do on Tuesday nights, but in order Well, and it to- promotes the day change, too, because it's it to get anyone out of their routine in watching a show, mm-hmm. you really need to make it a big sure. deal. So I understand that. Um, it, I, well, I mean, it was definitely done to pop a rating, right? Yeah. Like that, and that's what NXT has been doing, which has been one of my grievances with NXT recently, because NXT has always been a show that had attention to story and had long form mm-hmm. storytelling kind of more similar to what we we see like 20 years ago when I'm covering mm-hmm. retro stuff, you can tell that there's, there's a long form plan involved, yep. right? And all of the characters make sense and their alignments make sense. It feels like NXT, since it's gone to network television, or not network, but cable television, Mm -hmm. since it's gone to cable, there has been more of an emphasis on, like, sensationalism and flash and moments for the night. Hot-shotting things. Hot-shotting, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And some of that can be fine, but I think it's been at the expense of the characters in NXT, and I think it's been at the expense of storytelling. The Iron Man match itself, I understand people who thought that it was more of a bait-and-switch. Like, I get it. Leading into the Fatal 4-Way Iron Man match, I was like, this seems like it has the possibility for a tie. Like, more than a regular Iron Man match, right? Mm-hmm. Because with four people involved, it's like, how many, like, what if three of them have two falls or whatever? You know, it seemed like that was a possibility to me. And as someone who is a fan of long-form storytelling and sequential storytelling, like you see in comic books or like you see in wrestling or soap operas or whatever you do need to extend your story for the next night. So I guess in my mind, I can justify it saying I was promised a championship match. I got a championship match. I might not have gotten a champion, but I did want to tune in the next week to see Mm -hmm. who the champion was. My big grievance was like, you made this a 60 minute Iron Man match and were like harping on the fact that it was 60 minutes. Right. And this was the first 60 minute match in WWE in over a decade if this would have been 30 minutes instead of 60, I would have loved it Sure. because I think the drama would have been there. I think when it, when it got all tied up, like I loved the finish actually with Finn Balor mm-hmm. and Adam Cole, both getting falls within the last minute. I thought yeah. it was exciting and dramatic. Yeah, it was very creative. Sure. Yeah. I just, I feel like 60 minutes was too long for it and I can understand people who felt that their time was wasted. Sure. So I yeah. think if they would have made it a shorter match, I like I'm on board with what they were doing and I'm not mad about not having a champion. I think that 60 minutes was too long for the match. Yeah. I agree. I think when I I think people just felt like we had invested so much into this singular match and there was no payoff today we got to wait next week for the payoff. right there was like half a payoff right Right. it's like half the field was limited (laughs) yeah so it almost feels like when you watch like i don't know drag race or something and it's like okay i need to find out who's getting eliminated (laughs) next week so uh finn balor as your nxt champion uh just kind of quick thoughts on that love it absolutely love it um 
Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa were my two choices out of that Iron Man match. Um, sorry if you can hear the kettle in the background. My husband is making coffee, apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, I would have been cool with either Finn Balor or Tommaso Ciampa. And it it's kind of become clear that Tommaso Ciampa is not like their guy going forward. Yeah. Right. Like he's he's great. And I don't know what they're going to do with him. I think Finn Balor is awesome and him being Prince Balor and him being kind of like fully realized as Prince Balor finally after what six years in the company mm-hmm. it's taken for him to get to this place. I'm real a lot more excited about this championship reign than I was about his first one because his first one I actually wasn't that into. He seemed like the guy who was really good and he was a demon sometimes and that right. was neat and those entrances were cool but he was just kind of like guy who was really good elsewhere. We promise you love him, mm-hmm. but that's it, right? Like he yeah. didn't feel as fleshed out. Whereas now I feel like he feels more embedded in NXT and because he's been on the main roster and because he was universal champion, he brings some more prestige back down with him, but he also feels a lot more important in NXT than he did on the main roster. So it's kind of almost a legacy run in a way, or like when you get a veteran coming back to a territory to, uh-huh. you know, be champion, which is something that NXT doesn't do very often because they just haven't been a thing long enough to have longstanding veterans, right? Right. Um, this feels very different to me than Charlotte's, I will call Charlotte's a legacy reign yeah. earlier this year because she still felt like she was part of SmackDown and part of Raw. Well, it's because she was on SmackDown and Raw every freaking week. Exactly. <laughs> and and she wasn't a tag team champion, so it didn't make sense. It was just like, let's have Charlotte, all yeah. Charlotte all the time. Yeah. And I love Charlotte. I think she's amazing. I Absolutely. do actually miss her on the program. Absolutely. But, you know, like it was a lot of Charlotte, and she always felt like she was above the title and didn't really want to be involved mm-hmm. with the NXT storytelling. Whereas Finn Balor is all in with the NXT storytelling, and he's kind of he's kind of a lone dude now. But he just seems a lot more interesting this time around, and I'm I'm looking forward to his championship reign. Yeah, I agree. He doesn't seem like he has to rely on, oh, if you wait around long enough, you'll get to see the demon character. That's kind of what it seemed like before is that, okay, I could beat this guy and this guy and this guy as regular Finn Balor, but hey, if I'm going to ratchet up my game for this guy, it's going to have to be the demon. And then it was just kind of that that pattern. Well, remember when he used the demon to beat Baron Corbin, but then he didn't use the demon for Brock Lesnar? Right. Right. Like, for why? Yeah, the demon was running low on energy, and (laughs) the only thing that the demon can use to refill the energy is uh, very, very, very expensive whiskey. And there was none around. Exactly. And it was just a problem. So, I mean, all I'm saying is, like, if you're going to waste some of that demon energy, you used it for Baron Corbin. Yeah. Well, Baron Corbin, (laughs) uh, how have you know, Golden Gloves boxer, uh, NFL player, King of the Ring. Don't get me uh, wrong. I love King Corbin and his entrance. I think it is brilliant. Andre Battle Royal winner. uh, Need I go on? Most artificially inflated performer perhaps <laughs> ever in the World Wrestling Money Federation. in the Bank winner. Come on, Sandra. He is. He's done everything. It's you so crazy when you think about Baron Corbin. You have to bring out the demon if you're going to beat the constable. Former constable. <laughs> oh, remember Constable Corbin? Those were good times. Yeah, when he came out dressed like he was going to like park your car or something. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, next one comes from Sneaker Sauce. Kind of relates to our last email. Should NXT move permanently to Tuesday nights? Yes. Uh, I'm going to say yes, 100% please. 100% yes. Yes, please. But <laughs> my, I think it would be awesome because, first of all, I, there's 
not a prominent uh, show. I mean, the impact is on uh, Tuesday poor nights. Poor impact. Like, if, if NXT does move to Tuesday nights, like, poor impact. See, the thing is, though, that's not going to affect my watching of impact because I don't get access TV. So I usually have to find it sometime, sometime the next day via uh, third party sources. Are they <laughs> you still know? streaming on Twitch? They are on Twitch. However, if you're the thing I like about, about watching wrestling is that I don't like to have to be forced to sit down and watch it right then if I don't want to. And right. my some of my friends call me petty for that. It's like, just sit down and watch it. You got nothing else going on. Yeah, but I don't like being forced to have to do that. <laughs> I don't like to be put in a little box, Sandra, and say that no, I have to watch you wrestling. Have your on-demand autonomy. I <laughs> right. understand. Exactly. So I I could watch it on Twitch, but I usually just catch it the next day, you know, via some kind of, you know, download or stream. Uh-huh. But so I don't so I don't think NXT being on Tuesday night would really affect how I watch Impact because they are on Access TV now, that being Impact. But I still don't get it. You know, there's a lot of people yeah, that Yeah, I don't get Access either. Yeah, it's a bigger platform than than what they were on before on, you know, Destination America or on Pop TV or uh, on the, the hunting network that they were on for a little oh, while. That's right. Pursuit, yeah, I mean, on the pursuit network. I'm just, I'm impressed with Impact's ability to still be a thing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging Impact because it's a promotion that, like, the more I hear about Impact, the more I feel like it would be specifically for me. Yeah. Like, a lot of the wrestlers that I love from the independent scene and that I've seen on, like, Black Label Pro shows and whatnot. Like Ethan Page and Jordan Grace and mm-hmm. Deanna Perazzo and a bunch of people. And Kimberly is there. And yep. like some of my very, very favorites are on Impact. I just, there's a part of me that just can't add more wrestling to I my know. weekly diet because I watch so much of it already. Um, and I have to for work. Like obviously it's, it's my job to sit here and watch some of this stuff. But, um, but yeah, like as far as NXT being on Tuesday nights, I feel like the impact crowd is still going to watch it. The impact sure. crowd isn't very big. And right. I feel like the head to head with AEW has not been beneficial to NXT. I think that they can start to focus more on their long form storytelling instead of trying to pop weekly ratings quite so much because I mean, they decided to take this war to AEW when AEW was going to be on Wednesdays. It was, it was WWE's decision to say, Oh, let's also put NXT on and right. we'll do it a couple weeks early, even though we don't have the time slot. So we'll do this weird hybrid of like, NXT for an hour is on TV and then for an hour it's on the network and mm-hmm. like it just shows how petty they were with that you know trying to bring the war to AEW because yep. they thought they would trounce them they didn't trounce them they haven't won in the ratings very often they have but like it's been like what nine times or something like that mm-hmm. that they've actually beaten AEW and in you know in the marketable demos I'm not someone who talks about ratings a ton, <laughs> so I'm very bad at it but like you know, the demo god is not incorrect when sure. he says that AEW has the most marketable demos. And for people that care about that sort of thing, like advertisers, they're looking at AEW on Wednesday nights. And so I think NXT can continue to exist as more of its own thing on Tuesdays. I also think it's going to be good for AEW if NXT is on Tuesdays because a lot of that audience will, you know, be able to just watch AEW instead on a yeah. Wednesday night. And if they can hit over a million viewers and 
increase interest in professional wrestling as a whole, then I'm here for it. I'm because I, I want wrestling itself to be more popular in the cultural zeitgeist. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. I think the only thing that makes me hesitate to think that they might go to I think USA would love for them to go to Tuesday nights because they wouldn't mm-hmm. they would be unopposed. But NXT on USA only exists to mess up AEW. You know, if AEW ne- never existed, NXT would still be on the network for a one hour show and it, it wouldn't even be live every week. You know, it would I, I honestly believe that it never would have made its way to, to major cable and been live and even been two hours if it wasn't for AEW. So Oh no, those changes were one hundred percent because yeah. of AEW. Like despite what Triple H will say in conference calls. It was one hundred percent despite AEW. But is Vince going to want to basically give up and say that you know this product can't beat AEW and then just move it to Tuesday nights it, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would just kind of abandon uh, the attack plan no it seems like something that they need to reframe like because it, it essentially is kind of admitting a defeat right like if they move from Wednesday nights but I think that if they know that they're losing, they could reframe it and say like, Oh, look how much more we could be winning on a Tuesday night. And like, if you can reframe it for your ego that way, then I mean, I think it's going to be better for everyone to do that. Um, yeah. I mean, th- there is a part of me that wishes that this war hadn't happened. Cause I really liked NXT as an hour show and I really liked it being on the network available on a Wednesday. Sure. I think USA is happy to have NXT on their network because mm-hmm. they're doing well, right? Like wrestling yep. does well for USA. So whether it's on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, they're happy with the ratings and the revenue that's coming in. So I, I don't know, but I think their ratings are going to be better on Tuesdays because they are getting better numbers unopposed. I think so too. And I think that would, like you said, raise AEW's numbers potentially as well. And when the wrestling business is strong across the board, that's a good thing for everybody. You know, like they yeah, say absolutely. the rising tide, you know, raises all ships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not we we don't want to go back to the days where there's only one place for the boys and girls to go, you know, as far as, you know, prominent places to work. We want and we want to have options as well because when there is competition there it raises the creativity as well it's a good thing for pro wrestling to have both of those companies or both those brands that be an nxt and aew both be strong so i do hope it goes to tuesday nights i think that would be fantastic for for both shows and um it's just a matter if uh, Vince McMahon can get over his ego a little bit. Right. So, and I mean, like, I don't know what internal conversations are happening, obviously. I'm not in Stamford, Connecticut. But I I would, it sounds like they're really testing the waters with these NXT Super Tuesday shows. Mm-hmm. And the rating for last week was very good. Mm-hmm. Like, it was better than the numbers that NXT is normally doing. So if they can bring in more numbers and bring in more revenue for USA, then I think USA might put pressure on them and, I mean, pressure from USA might override Vince's ego because they're the network. They can kind of dictate those things. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, let's skip down here to Nate the Great. Nate writes, who is the most to blame for the crazy Matt Hardy incident at All Out? So, Sandra, I take it you saw the uh, unfortunate yeah. fall that Matt Hardy took in the Sammy Guevara match at All Out. It looked like Matt Hardy was severely concussed. Uh here are the, some of the um, culprits, potentially, 
and uh, you can tell me who you think is most to blame here. A lot of people are putting the blame on Tony Khan. Some people are saying Matt Hardy, including his wife, is say, saying wife. that Betty he has a lot to say about a lot of things. Yeah, uh, she she is uh, very open about her opinions. Uh, Sammy Guevara, some people are saying, uh, based on uh, how the move was performed. And a lot of uh, displeasure toward Doc Sampson, who is the uh, the AEW doc. I think the only person here who can kind of get out of here with clean hands is referee Aubrey Edwards, who did Aubrey exactly did what she was supposed to do. She threw up the double X's. She called for the bell. And then they kind of said, nope, we're going to keep going. Never mind. We'll just keep going. I mean, it, it depends if the question is who is more to blame for the spot going wrong or who is more to blame for the match being allowed to continue. I think those are two different conversations. Okay. Let's go for As, the, the match being allowed to continue. What, what, okay. what do you think? Because I was going to say the spot going wrong, like circumstance. Shit happens. Like, shit know? happens yeah. in wrestling. Like wrestling's fucking hard and sometimes things go wrong yep. and you don't plan for them to go wrong, obviously. And was it a spot that seems great to do? Probably not. Is spearing Jeff Hardy from a hanging tag belt a smart thing to do? No, it wasn't, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Um, so I don't I don't like to get into, like, blaming wrestlers for who injures who and that sure. kind of stuff. But as far as the match continuing, which I, I, I think I'm with the general consensus that it should have been stopped and shouldn't have been allowed to continue. Uh, I mean, Tony Khan did stop the match. Mm-hmm. Like, he stopped it. The doctor was the one who said this should be able to continue. He cleared Matt Hardy somehow in two minutes, <laughs> even after Matt Hardy was unconscious and yeah. unmoving for over 30 seconds. Like, I would say most of the onus is on the doctor because the right. doctor should be there to protect the wrestlers from themselves. Because, of course, Matt Hardy is going to say that he's fine and wants to continue. Have yep. you seen Matt Hardy's career? He does insane things. He is Matt Hardy. That is what he does. Um, there are many instances where wrestlers cannot, I don't want to say they can't be trusted, but they can't be trusted sure, to take care of themselves because it's so ingrained in you that you continue and you work through an injury and you finish the match and you put on a show and that comes first and you deal with the consequences later. And I think that that mentality, especially in veterans like Matt Hardy, is something that is going to be impossible to shake, right? Like, that's that's something when, when talking about the safety and the culture of wrestling nowadays, I think, is getting a lot better, is that there's not as much shame in stopping a match for injury. Mm-hmm. Like, we saw in Raw, Ivar throw up the X for himself and sure. say, like, I'm fucked, I yep. can't do this, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's good, and I think that that should be encouraged, because the health and safety of the performers needs to be more at the forefront than it traditionally has been in the history of wrestling. Yeah, especially with head injuries and Especially with head and, injuries. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's something that, like, watching 20 years ago stuff is mm-hmm. very uncomfortable because there are so many shots to the head and yep. concussion storylines are like, oh, yeah, they have a concussion, but they're out here wrestling because the show must go on. And so, I mean, I would say probably most of the onus is on the doctor. I agree. Because Tony Khan did stop the match. Like, he was okay with stopping it. Some of the onus can be on Matt Hardy, but also, like I said, the doctor is there to protect the wrestler from themselves. And I I think the doctor made the wrong call. And I, I just hope, like, thankfully, Matt Hardy is okay. It said that he's not severely concussed, mm-hmm. um, which is great news. Like, I'm incredibly happy that he's okay and that this wasn't more of a tragedy situation, I guess. Like, that this didn't end his career or, heaven forbid... Mm-hmm cause permanent injury but i think it's something that 
AEW needs to look at as a company and say, what's our policy if someone is unconscious? Like, if someone's unconscious, then a match should be stopped, in my opinion. Right. Like, based on what concussion experts are saying and whatnot. Like, I am not a doctor, but that seems to be the way to go, to err on the side of caution. Um, so, yeah, I just I hope that it's a learning experience for AEW, because pointing fingers isn't necessarily helpful, but, like, having having a conversation with the doctor and figuring out a better protocol going forward, I think is necessary. Yeah, I think with, with UFC, there is some kind of standard uh, plan in place. I think it's by the state athletic commissions though, where basically if you get knocked out, you have a minimum suspe- medical suspension of six months. Now that can get moved up. You could, that can be lessened if you are cleared by a doctor, but they don't clear you in the cage right after you got knocked out, like what, right. they, what the doctor did with Matt Hardy, you know, well, right because, after like, he I takes mean, his bad fall. Without an MRI and without right. like, brain scans. Uh, unless and... they did those things without us seeing them. <laughs> I didn't see a CT machine, you know. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean it wasn't there, Sandra. That's true. I mean, maybe maybe there's this new technology that AEW and Doc Samson have see? that are just magic and he now can you're see thinking. inside brains. Now you're thinking. See, thank you. <laughs> thank you for for uh, admitting that, admitting your faults. I appreciate that. Of takes course. A, I'm, takes, I'm always here to examine my that. own flaws and take responsibility. It takes a big person to do that, and I really appreciate it. But <laughs> I I also I agree with you. I think the doctor was really in the wrong here, and they, they have got to, like you said, there has to be some kind of established protocol in writing for what to do, and everybody has to be understanding of this when they agree to – to participate in matches for AEW that if the doctor says that you can't go, there's nothing you can say that's going to convince him. I don't care what the storyline is that Matt Hardy's got to, got to retire if he, if he loses, how, how easy would that be to fix that storyline? If you, know, oh, you Matt- could easily just like, you could explain it away. And like pedantic people like me would probably be like, Oh, if it's a ref stoppage, then technically Matt Hardy lost. So he should be out of the company. But if you just go on and have some sort of like explanation that Matt Hardy didn't get pinned or submitted. So the match didn't finish or like just declare it a no contest because both of them were medically fucked because yeah. just pretend that Sammy Guevara was, also medically unable to continue something like it would be very easy to explain it away on commentary or say like we're going to have a rematch once he's okay because we want this to be definitive even have sammy guevara like say that he didn't get to put matt hardy out enough or something i don't know like there are ways to do it and i just feel like the health and safety of performers needs to be tantamount i agree and we're not saying sammy guevara right by the way it's sammy guevara a couple more emails switch it up 14 writes if the young bucks were to split up sandra who would be the sean michaels and which one would be the marty Janetti? i mean if you're asking which one is going to make up a murder storyline um (laughs) or a, a wrestling promotion no one's ever heard of and or solicit the internet as to whether it's okay to fuck a young girl who may or may not be his daughter I don't think either Young Buck fits that category. Um, for those for those of you that don't know what Sandra's talking about, if you've been living under a rock, Marty Jannetty's insane. He's a crazy person. He is an insane like, person. Unwell. And I, I almost don't want to laugh at how unwell he is, but, like, holy shit, man. Yeah. Like, he is just <laughs> insane. Um, it's hard for me to answer that question just because – 
the young bucks to me are just sort of this like amorphous blob of tassels and flips. Yeah. Like I don't know how to differentiate them. Like I know which one is Matt and which one is Nick. But it's kind of like when I watch the Usos, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just very similar as wrestlers. They haven't really differentiated themselves enough. I see them as such a team that I don't know which one would be more prominent or like which one is necessarily better because I think that they are both, you know, technically very good. Mm -hmm. I think that they are also both elitist pricks on the show and I can't stand either one. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know. Like I haven't seen enough. Pick one, Sandra. I don't know. (laughs) They're the same. They just seem the same. Like they seem like, I don't know. Elitist dudes who hate Adam Page's affinity for beer and whiskey. And I just don't like them. So I'm gonna maybe I can uh, talk you into my answer here. So I think Nick is a slightly better athlete than Matt. However, I think Matt has more personality and is more comfortable on the mic. And I think that kind of over, I think that trumps any real difference that they might have athletically. So I'm. So I feel say, like Matt was always the one who was kind of like hosting BTE, right? You're right. Because I haven't watched BTE a bunch lately, right. but. Yeah, and whenever they have something to say, it's usually Matt with the microphone in his hand. And when they were having issues with Hangman Page, it's usually Matt that's kind of given Hangman Page the business. So usually mm-hmm. when there's something that needs to be said, Matt, neither one is, is you know, lights out on the microphone by, by, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. But I think Matt has a little bit more personality. He's a little bit more comfortable. And I think that Matt would probably... Yeah, better sideburns, I think. Um, that's a big thing. That's that's in my four pillars of what I look for in a pro wrestler. I look mm-hmm. for uh, a- athletic ability, uh, personality, mic skills, and sideburns. Yes. And I think that I'm going to give the slight edge to uh, Matt Jackson there. So uh, just tell me why I'm correct. I mean, stands to reason. <laughs> like, I go. think that you are correct, actually, because Matt Jackson is the one who – like when I'm thinking about which young buck I would recognize more, I guess it would be Matt. Like, I don't know. To me, like I'm, I'm just not much of a young bucks person, I guess, and gotcha. I haven't seen enough of them like individually. But all of your reasoning makes sense to me, and I am inclined to agree. Uh, we need to get you some tassels. You you don't have enough tassels on your. In your I don't wardrobe. have enough tassels. That's true. I think that might kind of uh, sway you to be more of a young bucks girl. So maybe yeah. I don't know. Like I I kind of love to hate them right now. Like mm-hmm. that's my one of my big things about the young bucks and Kenny Omegas. I'm just like they're sanctimonious pricks, and I want yeah. Adam Page to keep their heads off. I think I think Adam Page is going to be one of the biggest baby faces in the business based on, based on this. Uh, You know, everybody kind of thought that Adam page was going to be the one to turn on Kenny Omega eventually. Mm -hmm. Now it's kind of looking like maybe we're going to have the, you know, Omega and the bucks kind of doing a heel thing, which I am, I'm here for. I love it. It it seems like they understand the crowd consensus Mm -hmm. that like, you know, before COVID ruined our lives and took away crowds and things like people were responding so well to Adam Page because he was delightful. Right. Like it seems like they tried to give him this drinking storyline to make him seem like a deadbeat or something. But people just think he's like Steve Austin now. Like he's Mm -hmm. super cool and you want to have a beer with him. Right. Like I would love to have a beer with Adam Page. He seems like a blast. Same with FTR, which is why my dream is for FTR and Adam Page to join forces against the elitist pricks. Interesting. 
You know, like I've I've been saying on Inside the Ropes for weeks of just like being the elitists over here. Like, <laughs> you know, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega drive me insane on the show. And it's it's become one of the best stories in AEW because it is kind yep. of interwoven into multiple stories. So like I kind of love hating the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega right me now. It's great. Too. I think I think it's very well done and I think as crowds start to come back they're they're already doing like 15% crowds right now, but as cloud, crowds slowly start to come back, that's just going to uh, drive the storyline even more because we're going to have those live reactions uh, expressing exactly what you were just saying. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, uh, it's super fun. A couple emails left. Paul in St. Louis, one of our favorites here, writes, Will the WWE's cameo slash Twitch brand finally be the galvanizing force toward a wrestler's union being formed? Uh, I wish... But I think we yeah, all wish. Honestly, I mean, this is this has been trying to get this union thing in, in pro wrestling. And first of all, the whole we're independent. You're independent contractors, so we don't have to give you insurance and and things like that. However, you can't go do other things. You have to, you know, we're going to treat you like an employee for the matter of keeping our thumb under you, but you are not going to get any of the benefits that come with being an employee. No, they want all of the control and the power of lording over someone without having to provide them any benefits that comes from working from a company or working with a company. Total bullshit. Total bullshit. It's awful. Uh, Jesse Ventura back in the eighties was trying to get this, this wrestlers union thing going and he could never get, Hulk Hogan on board. Hulk Hogan, you know, who was making millions of dollars for for Vince McMahon, didn't see anything in any benefit in there being a union for him because he's already because got he's everything. on top and he has everything he could right. want. Right, exactly. Takes care of Hulk Hogan. Right. The company is not taking care of the spark plug Bob Holly at that point. That's you know what thing. I mean? Like. It's the it's the Dana Brooks of the world that mm-hmm. could really benefit from a union right. in WWE. So this is never I think it is still applies today. This is never going to get moving seriously until the big names that have those big, huge downside guarantee contracts are the ones that are heading it up. And I mentioned the UFC earlier when we we're talking about. Uh, knockouts and concussions the same thing is is true in the UFC as we've had several over the last five to ten years several groups try to form a fighters union because if you're on top you're making millions of dollars you're doing great but if you look at the payouts for these UFC guys if you're on the undercard you're making five thousand dollars to show up and five thousand dollars to win you know so if you win you get ten thousand dollars but then you got to pay back all your trainers, you got to pay your gym fees, and a lot of these guys have to get second jobs just to pay their rent every month because they're making crappy money going out there and, you know, getting punched in the face. So the big talent, the guys at the top of the card in the UFC, it's the same as the guys in the, and gals in the top of the card at WWE and wherever. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to mess up what they have. And until they're the ones spearheading it, I don't think this cameo Twitch thing is going to help get any kind of uh, momentum going for that. No, I mean, like, I wish it would, but I I don't see it happening because I, I feel like there are too many people who are willing to come in and scab, essentially. Yep. Like, if if people wanted to unionize and if people really wanted to speak up against that, um, and like, I agree that it should be done and it is necessary. And, you know, like we, the independent 
as a company trying to like organize union stuff with uh with equity in the uk has been really great for like offering resources to some independent wrestlers who need representation and you know looking over contracts and that kind of stuff i know a lot of the the movement has been derailed a little bit with the david star situation but it's which is just unfortunate and a whole can of worms that we don't have time to get into but like they were going for some really good things you know basic necessities like have a doctor at every wrestling show pay people fairly for their time um do not sign bullshit contracts with companies that are going to own your soul like if the people who signed with lucha underground for instance had access to better representation before those contracts were put out like they might not have been stuck for as long as they were stuck is the perfect word for it yeah and they they couldn't couldn't do do anything anything. and lucha (laughs) was not putting on shows no and it wasn't even a thing but they were like we still own you for seven years which is bullshit right (laughs) and and with wwe saying that they own like it gets very murky because wwe saying that they own wrestlers real names and likenesses in addition to their copyrighted Mm. names like obviously they're going to own the copyrighted names sure that makes sense that's part of the agreement when you sign with that company but for them to say oh soraya knight we also own that mm-hmm. and your face and yeah. your everything as long as and, you're under this contract you know we yeah. we own that too everything about you so i think it's a pr disaster for wwe this whole like twitch cameo third party mm-hmm. situation because i mean like <laughs> The former Rusev Miro had some pretty strong words about mm-hmm. Dave Meltzer um, spreading what he called lies about his wife, CJ, Lana. Um, but, like, whether Lana's bang energy sponsorship was something that spearheaded this decision, whether it was AJ Styles shooting on his Twitch channel sure. about the company and some of the inner workings, I can understand WWE saying, do not go on third-party applications and either monetize off of our intellectual property or say things that are harmful to the company. Mm -hmm. But I think there was a better way to handle it than WWE did, because I think for them to just make a blanket statement that you are not allowed to monetize yourself and your own likeness, I think it hurts WWE too, because I think a lot of the, the wrestlers getting famous and prominent on places like Twitch and YouTube actually benefits wwe right like xavier woods has his up up down down channel that has over a million subscribers and that drives traffic to wwe because they see like gaming people come in and see oh these wrestlers are super fun i would like to see them on television too so it seems mutually beneficial for them to work together with those things um i can see wwe being like oh you're making money on cameo we want a cut of that Mm -hmm. like I get it. I think it's shitty because yeah. I think WWE already makes so much money off of its performers that like, and a lot of them aren't compensated well enough in terms of having to pay for their own travel, their own medical insurance, exactly. their own everything, right? Like as independent contractors yep. and the heaviest of inverted commas, they're responsible for a lot of their own stuff. And so for them to supplement their income that way, I think is like, it's good. It's innovative. It's people taking advantage of capitalism, but WWE is like, we want you under our thumb. Um, And like in terms of unionization, I just, I don't see it happening. My friend actually, whose husband uh, just retired from wrestling, put out a series of tweets the other day that kind of ruffled some feathers, but uh, her name's Kate Nix. And she was just like, wrestlers are not going to unionize, not because they shouldn't, but because having self-preservation and personally valuing your selfhood are not characteristics bolstered by the current community. Pay your dues, Die for your art. Don't question the vets. That's wrestling. Wow. 
And you're going to get a lot of people, right? Like drive eight hours, maybe get booked. There's always Mm -hmm. someone else waiting for your spot. You need to push harder. You'll go further. You're lucky to get booked at all. Like nothing's included. We don't give you any benefits. You're supposed to work for free for years to even get looked at. And that's like so much the culture of wrestling. And there are so many people willing to take those spots and like do it for nothing that I just don't think a union is feasible. Yeah, there are so many, like you said, there's so many people on the independents right now that would go to WWE and take a spot unpaid just to be on, just, you know, to have that outlet to get exposed on, on or TV. Or drive themselves 12 yep. hours, pay way more in gas money than the $100 right. or whatever they're going to get paid. Yeah, losing money on, on uh, driving to a show, you know, basically after you pay your gas money and uh, wear and tear on your car and, you know, feed yourself a little bit, you know, it's... It's really a bad situation. I, I don't know if it. I honestly don't know if it'll ever happen in our lifetime. I, I'm hopeful that it will for both uh, UFC and for WWE, right? Uh, for wrestling and pro wrestling in general. But I honestly don't know if it'll ever happen because the, it's always going to be top heavy, and the top unless you get a really altruistic group of people at the top who are willing to, you know, give up a little bit of their uh, their top spot in order to make something like this happen. I don't, well, think, I don't think there are enough Kevin Owens's and Sami Zayn's right. and Daniel Bryan's who are willing to speak up, right? right. And I think those people are willing to remove themselves from mm-hmm. the conversation. I mean, we even saw a, kind of an unprecedented thing. I hate using that word in these times, but like Roman removing himself from TV mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. And, like, some people were giving him heat for it, you know, like saying, how selfish can you be? You're on top and all this stuff. But he was trying to take care of himself and his family. Like, I applaud him for doing that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, We'll see. We'll keep our fingers crossed, but I'm not not holding my breath. Uh, Last email, Sandra. Thank you for sticking with me. Ted and KC writes, what move currently in wrestling is the most overused or... Which move are you just tired of seeing? Is there anything that comes to mind, any move that comes to mind that you think is just overused or you just think needs to uh, go away for a little while or you're just tired of seeing it? Maybe the Canadian Destroyer? That was one of mine. does it? I saw four <laughs> like, at All Out the other day. Yeah, there are I a saw lot four of them. And I, and kept I love the Canadian Destroyer, right? Like, I do love them, mm-hmm. but when they're overused, they kind of lose their impact. I mean, the Tower of Doom, I've always thought, is stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will pop for it at every indie show that I see it on because it is spectacular live. And when it's done in front of me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, look sure. at all of the carnage of yep. humanity. But as a concept, it's real stupid because yep. you have to all get together. Um dives onto crowds of people waiting to catch them now now hold on a second because every fight i've ever been in we have been standing around just kind of half punching each other (laughs) just in case somebody decided to climb up on something and jump on top of it we didn't want them to get hurt so i mean obviously you always try to when when fighting in a group you always try to cluster together and look up regularly with your arms up shielding just in case you know yeah, you're well aware of that, so take back what you said about that. Yeah, so obviously I'm incorrect because it's incredibly realistic. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I'm going to try a Canadian Destroyer the next time I get in a fight, which I hope is never, by the way. Because I was going to say, I, I've well, got I don't a, know I've how got, many people you're fighting. I've got a nice little streak going here of about 20 
five years or so without having to be in a fight. I'm hoping to keep that going. But when 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 I used to see Petey Williams do that Canadian Destroyer, I thought it was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And now I just see it all the time, and it just it's just it's still cool, but it's just seems like it's just like a transition move now. It used to be, you know, you got hit with that, you were done. Yeah, and now it it's just a transition after move. a while. I mean, kind of like. I mean, this isn't a move, but kind of like how many people bleed in AEW, mm-hmm. like how it doesn't really feel that special necessarily, right. because it seems like, I mean, it's Cody Rhodes is one of the people in charge. So it makes sense that he's like, I will have my face full of blood all the time. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like you bleed in every match, like it loses some of the drama after a while. Sure. And I'm not someone who's opposed to blood and wrestling, like. I think it really can add to a story, but I I think that it's something that if used all of the time, you just get desensitized to it. Whereas if you see it only once in a while, then it's a really big deal. Kind of like when, uh, when pile drivers were banned in WWE for ever, right? Like not forever, but you know what I mean? Like for a long time. And then CM Punk and John Cena pull out a pile driver. You're like, Oh my gosh, holy shit. Like (laughs) we're not allowed to see that. This feels really new and cool. But Right now, you know, like if if you're watching The Undertaker's career regularly and you just see them all the time, it's just it's another tombstone. It's fine. Sure. Uh, I got a couple more. The suicide dive. I'm kind of kind of over the suicide dive, Sandra. It's not it's not a devastating move. Um, Everybody does them. You know, big guys, small guys in between. It's more dangerous than the pop that it gets, I feel. I really hope that Sasha Banks never does another one because every time she she does it, I I cringe a little bit and I'm... I feel like she just has like this magnet in her head and neck that's like let yes. me hit the floor in the most devastating yes. way. And it and I love Sasha Banks so I do much. Too. And it, it I want her neck to stay in I, Yes, I want her to live a long and fruitful <laughs> life, <laughs> being She's able great. to walk like, upright. I, and I love the way that she can look like she has died when she's fine. Yeah. But at the same time, like I do worry for her health and safety. I am very about protecting wrestlers, baby mm-hmm. brains and necks and having them like continue to be people long into their lives. Um, and I'll, along those fronts, I would say the headbutt. I am not a fan of headbutts mm-hmm. because especially we've seen when headbutts go wrong, yep. like with Shibata, it can be very bad. And, headbutts I don't think are something that get a big pop from the audience I don't think that they're that spectacular looking so the danger involved with a headbutt versus the response that you get from the crowd I just don't feel like the the balance is there yeah especially when you think about like the diving headbutt you know yeah Chris Benoit with the how many times did he do that and Daniel Bryan right and then Daniel Bryan the fact that you know he was not only almost ended his career, but the fact that it, it could have had a long-term negative effect on his life. The fact that he was mm-hmm. having strokes and stuff because of the brain damage that he had. And then I think they said when they uh, studied Chris Benoit's brain, he had like the brain of like an 80-year-old Alzheimer's patient oh, yeah, or something like that. Just stop. Just stop it. It's not worth it. The juice isn't worth the squeeze, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Like anything that's going to really like damage your brain or your neck or whatever, like mm-hmm. just it's it's not worth it. And I, it, it's another thing. It's right. Like wrestlers don't preserve. They don't value self-preservation mm-hmm. because it's all about putting your body on the line. And it's yep. almost like a badge of honor of like, I'm strong and I can take it. And my future doesn't matter. I live for the now. But like, 
live for the then too, you guys. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. Like you can entertain me and also continue to be a person. Like I want both of those things. Absolutely. So my my issue with the suicide dive, especially like I think I hate Seth Rollins' suicide dive. I hate it where he dives out and just kind of like gently pushes the guy. Yeah. against the, the barricade and then he gets in and does it again kind of gently the pushes the guy yeah I, I'm done with the suicide dive I don't want to see it anymore um, and then the other one that I don't it doesn't bother me as much but it used to finish people was is the super kick and yeah. now it's just like a transition move and now everybody does it and now you can kick a guy in the face and then he he's right back you know fighting fighting you you get kicked in the face Sandra you should go to sleep. I mean, honestly. it doesn't sound pleasant to me. No, to it's get not. Kicked in the you face. should kick I mean, your, like, you Drew McIntyre's Claymore is still getting people out. So why does like a front kick? I think you should go find your husband, kick him straight in the face, mm-hmm. <laughs> and report back Same to legit. me. Yeah, report back to me and let me know how it goes. If he <laughs> if he no sells it, then I will allow the super kick to continue. Um, I'm not as down on it as like Jim Ross is, where he talk, where he's talk, he's very down on the leg slapping. You know, mm-hmm. with, uh, I feel like the leg slapping is not any different to like Jerry Lawler's stompy punches, sure. or the Rock's yep. stompy punches, yeah, right? Like it's I just agree. part of it. Yeah, the leg slapping doesn't bother me. I think it's just the sheer excess of super kicks. You know, the, everybody does them now, so they're really not special. It's, and, it's the overuse thing, right. I think, more than anything else. Exactly. Uh, well, that's it for the emails. Sandra, let's come back one more time. I want to talk about where uh, the people can find your podcast with an S at the end because there are multiple. And that's then true. we're going to uh, plug the magazine one more time and talk about how people can uh, find and subscribe to that. So uh, where can they find you in the podcast world, first of all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like all of the podcast information that I have is going to be on my Twitter. So my Twitter is at Sandra Ruth RW. And then I've been posting on Instagram fairly regularly as well at Sandra Ruth. So if you follow me in either of those places, you'll be able to see when episodes are released and when things are coming out. But uh, you can follow inside the ropes.co.uk is our website for pretty much everything. It's the catch all. So there are links to the podcast. There are links to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash inside the ropes. Um, there's lots of interview content. Uh, clips from our live shows. I don't personally handle a lot of that. Kenny does a lot more of that stuff. And Alex McCarthy from Talk Sport has been doing some of our interviews on YouTube lately, too. Um, but yeah, our, our podcast, if you just search Inside the Ropes in any sort of podcasting application, you'll find it. Like, don't click on the golf one. There's a golf podcast called Inside the Ropes from years ago that probably doesn't come up first because <laughs> it's like ours should come up first. It's a black and red logo. You can find us there. Um, you can follow at inside underscore the ropes on both Twitter and Instagram. So you can get information there as well. And then uh, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes is where retro ITR is hosted. In addition to Kenny and I also do an ITR overrun where we have a bonus podcast on Patreon. Kenny and Finn uh, go through old episodes of old issues of Power Slam every week on their their Power Slam podcast overrun, which is pretty cool for people, again, yeah, who grew up on wrestling magazines. And the Inside the Ropes magazine, if you want to subscribe or check out what we're all about, is just insidetheropesmagazine.com. I love it. And the fact that it is a U.K.-based publication, but if you are here in the States, it will be sent to your home, to your domicile. 
Yeah, your, it's available. Like to you your can place have of residence. Magazine to read in your hands. Right, and uh, Kenny was just on Twitter talking about the fact that they had such a good response to the magazine that the uh, shipping is even less than what they originally thought uh, to internationally. So yeah, uh, some it's people, very cool. Like yeah. the overwhelming response from people has been so great. Like better than I expected, better than Kenny expected. Like, I mean, obviously we were hoping that people would care about this, but the response from people has been so overwhelming that we were able to partner with a distributor to really drastically cut shipping costs internationally. So if you live in, you know, America, like we do, or if you live in Canada, or if you live in Australia, you can get it shipped at a far better rate than we were offering originally. So some people have actually gotten refunds. That's what I heard. And how cool, how, uh, it's just, that's just the coolest thing that not only are do we have uh, we're we're going to be able to give this discounted rate to people in the future, but if you were good enough to support us in the beginning, you might get a few shekels back. You well, know, yeah, along I mean, like way. we don't want to just like take people's money, like even though they agree to that so price. Cool. If if shipping is going to be cheaper, we're not assholes. Like we're not just going to. Like, you're in the wrestling business, aren't you? I know. Shady, shady promoters and whatnot. We're in the wrestling promotion type business and whatnot, but like we're not dicks, so we try to like be decent to customers and stuff. I don't know. It's a novel concept. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a very novel idea for the wrestling business, and (laughs) it's an interesting way to approach things uh, for the wrestling business based on the way it's run for the last hundred years or so. Yep. So I. uh, I hope I hope you guys have a lot of success with that. As soon as I get off the call with you, I'm going to go subscribe because I want to see Sandra Ruth in print, my girl. I'm so uh, excited. Yay. I'm, I'm, You're going to have to let me know what you think. I am excited I am, for you. I like, am I'm excited, excited to read for... it myself. I'm excited to read the articles that everyone else has written because I haven't seen any of them. Like, I could if I wanted to ask for the PDFs. Like, I technically could at this point, but... I'm kind of waiting until the big release. No, I think be. that's I think that's the way to go. I think the you know to wait for the big release, wait to have the, the physical magazine in your hand. I think that's the way to go because I, I think, think it'll so be too. even more and special. It's kind of like when uh, when Kenny and I go to WrestleMania and we try not to look at any pictures yep. of the set beforehand. Exactly. Like yep. we don't want to see any spoilers. We just want like when you walk into the arena and you get like the big grand reveal. Yes. That's kind of how I'm treating the magazine too. Is like I want to have it in my hand and just be all excited about it. I love it. So InsideTheRopesMagazine.com, worldwide distribution of this. I'm so excited to have something from my childhood back in my life, Um, and I'm even more excited that one of my friends is a part of it. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Thank you. Like I'm, I'm I'm glad I could come on here and talk about it and get to catch up with you because it's been a long time. Like this has just been a blast. Yeah, and 2020 sucks, so this makes it a little bit better. Yeah, like fuck this year, really hardcore. Maybe Um, maybe this will be the thing that kind of starts to turn it around. I hope so. We can bring people together through the joys of wrestling. Absolutely. What a a novel concept. Well, Sandra Ruth, thank you so much for joining me. And let's not make it another 13 months before you're on again. No, I I think we should do this more often than once a year. I agree. Absolutely. I think you need to stop avoiding me. I think (laughs) you need to. uh, That's the number one thing. Number two, stop being so busy. Stop having so I mean, many like, irons in the fire right now. So busy. But that I, would be great. You know what, that's a lie. I wouldn't. Like, I get to do some really cool stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. See, I'm the opposite. Like, I can't wait to retire. I'm going to yeah. do nothing. <laughs> I'm gonna I mean, do like, my actual day job, nothing. like, I wouldn't mind not going there. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like, that's just, 
that's like a side thing at this point. I'm like, I'll sell liquor a couple days a week, but like mostly it's all. <laughs> you sound like a like that. a bootlegger. Like you're <laughs> you're selling it like out out of the like trunk of your car or something like that right? during <laughs> pro, during prohibition or or something like that. But uh, so happy for you. Thanks for joining us, and we will hopefully talk to you again soon. That would be lovely. So there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Rhino Wrestling Review in the books. Big thanks to Sandra Ruth for taking the time to join me, taking the time out of her busy schedule of all the podcasts and apparently all the alcohol bootlegging that she's doing on the side. That's That was an interesting little uh, turn that the story took there at the end. But, you know, we learn things about our friends every day. And that's what makes life exciting. So follow her on Twitter at Sandra Ruth RW. She is at Sandra Ruth on Instagram. Check out Inside the Ropes website, insidetheropes.co.uk. And definitely, guys, check out insidetheropesmagazine.com and subscribe. Get it sent straight to your door. And it's even a better deal if you buy a year subscription, which I am doing right now. As soon as I get off this podcast with you, with you fine folks. So thanks everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Again, thank you for all of the kind emails and direct tweets that you've been sending me. I know we have not been on a good schedule the last month. I had a bit of a relapse with the with my long haul as we uh, tried to beat this thing called COVID that's been bugging my life since since March, but I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy to be able to bring something to you each week, and hopefully we can get back on that schedule, and I'm 100% sure we're going to be back next week as scheduled, because I'm going to be talking to one of my favorite wrestlers on the independent scene, that being Mr. Camaro Jackson, one half of the Alpha and Omega tag team. He participated in the Black Wrestlers Matter event up in Iowa a couple weeks ago. I caught it on Video On Demand. What an outstanding showcase for these awesome athletes uh, to be able to get together and put on an amazing show, especially during a pandemic. They've already announced Black Wrestlers Matter Part 2 coming in 2021, that being on uh, Juneteenth. Very excited. I had an awesome time uh, sitting down with Camaro Jackson talking about his, his career, he's only been in the business a few years, but he, he is a big up-and-comer that we expect big things for. And uh, I think you guys will really dig the interview that we had with him. So that's coming up next week. But for this week, thanks to Sandra Ruth for joining me. Check her out on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe to the Inside the Ropes magazine. And don't kick out of each other's finishers. See ya! It's the R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker cause I'm picking up my dough, and when I'm in the booth like I'm cooking.